Hey there, welcome back to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Bagley. And today's conversation is for all of you out there that maybe wants to do a little charitable marketing, that wants to maybe volunteer with rescues, that wants to donate to silent auctions, that wants to do something in your business, partnering with one of the many rescues in your area, but maybe you aren't sure how to reach out to them, or maybe you've tried to work with them and it didn't go as well as you had hoped. Well, today we have fellow pet photographer and fellow rescue volunteer and previous team member, Courtney Bryson, who is going to be breaking down all of the details for us about how we can best approach different rescues, what we can do, what rescues need from us, how to know what the right rescue to work with is, just all of the things, all of the things, all of the questions that you have had about working with rescues, hopefully will be answered here in this episode. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Bagley. And today we have a repeat guest, Courtney Bryson from CM Bryson Photography. And uh, we're talking all about rescues today. So Courtney, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Awesome. You guys might remember Courtney from a previous podcast. She was back on the podcast back in episode number 41 where we were talking about how she found success in her business living in a small town of only 800 people. And we also learned of your previous experience in the wedding gown industry, which was fascinating. So you guys have to go listen to that episode if you want more details on that. But today we're talking about rescues. And Courtney, you're super involved with rescues. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with them and kind of what that looks like. Yeah. So I'm only a dog photographer because I got involved in rescue. Originally, we decided that we wanted to adopt a dog and we wanted to find a special needs dog. And so in 2009, we adopted Bocephus, who was a deaf Boston Terrier and kind of got sucked into this world of rescue. From there, we were foster homes. We ran events. We fundraised. And then in 2014, we actually founded, my wife and I founded a rescue for specifically Boston Terriers that are medically fragile or have special needs. Tied in with all of that, uh, we run a dog food program and we distribute about 15,000 pounds of food a week with that. And I serve as the president of the board of our county's Humane Society and did a short stint as their director of operations for about two years. Oh, wow. Well, two years is not short. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an actual stint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't realize you were involved in that many different aspects of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. So where do you even want to start? Do we want to start with like, if, if people want to start working with rescues, how, what that looks like, and we could talk about like kind of finding a rescue and start to go from there. But is there anything else that you want to get across to people before we dive into all of these details of what this world kind of looks like and how to kind of get started involved, getting involved with this world? Yeah, so I actually originally reached out to you because I've seen in the circle community and in various other groups, 
people getting really frustrated trying to work with a rescue or find mm-hmm. a rescue or get them to respond. And I think until you've kind of been on the other side, it's hard to know where they're coming from. Like, it seems like a no brainer. Oh, this person wants to help me raise money or take great photos of my dogs. Why aren't they all kind of like saying yes? Right. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what it looks like on the other side of rescue and kind of now being on both sides of the coin as the photographer raising money for a rescue and as the person running a rescue. And then as a photographer, how do you find a good rescue? How do you know who's going to help you promote whatever event that you're running so that it's successful for both of you? Because that's really the ultimate goal. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. All right. So do you just want to dive into that or is there anything there you want to touch on first? I can dive in. So, all right. So let's, yeah, let's dive in with, with, um, yeah, figuring out where to find a rescue and all of that kind of stuff. So go ahead and take it away. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, (laughs) excited to dive into all this. So kind of the first thing when you look at wanting to work with a rescue group is finding a rescue that's going to be a good fit for you. And there's so many kind of different variations of what rescue looks like. So it's kind of like if you can kind of create a list of what things that you're interested in and what rescues touch on those things, I think you're going to be more successful in the long run. Mm -hmm. You can choose something like an all species rescue. They kind of do dogs, cats, guinea pigs, whatever. Or there are like species specific. So people that just do dogs or just do horses. There's breed specific, kind of like what I do with the Boston Terrier Rescue. We really just do Bostons and the occasional Frenchie. And then kind of even spanning out from there, there are people that specialize in international rescue. Like I know, Nicole, you've adopted from Mm -hmm. rescues that import out of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zoe was from the Sado Project in Puerto Rico. And little Cammie here is from the British Virgin Islands, but she ended up already coming through a local rescue here in Charlotte. But the island dogs have my heart for sure. <laughs> yeah. So like if that's a thing that you love, that's a place you can look. Mm-hmm. And there are rescues that work really exclusively with the dog meat trades out of China or mm-hmm. out of the Middle East. Oh, yeah. And like Travis and his Galagos. And yeah, the Spanish even dogs. when I was in, yeah, when I was in Spain last time in 2016, I ended up bringing home two Galagos for our local Greyhound rescue, who was a client of mine. And they were going and I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Barcelona. I can bring dogs home. They're like, oh, my gosh, yes, please. And so yeah. <laughs> long story short, my like really, really good friends adopted those two dogs, which is awesome because I still get to see them. I'm like their aunt now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's international, there's like regional. So like my county's Humane Society really focuses just mm-hmm. on a regional area. And then there's like, almost like hyper local. You'll have like city shelters or city rescues. So if you're targeting, like if you only work in a certain city, I know mm-hmm. that's usually your bigger cities. New York has a couple. Chicago. Uh, Baltimore has a really cool rescue organization for just the dogs in the city. Oh, interesting. Um, and then you have to decide if you want to work with private rescues or kind of government-funded rescues and shelters. Because everybody needs help, but where do you fit in? And then there's also rescues like just for senior dogs or just for pets with medical needs. So when you kind of look at that list and figure out what you're interested in, then you can Google rescues that are going to fit kind of an interest you already have. 
Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Is there any resource out there other than Google to try to find some of these smaller rescues? Because there are so many rescues around. Didn't know if you had any other advice other than just go ahead and start hitting that Google and start looking. Yeah, I would say Google Pet Finder, which is run by Mm -hmm. PetSmart, but they have almost all of the rescues are going to list their animals there. So you might have to pretend like you're searching for a dog, but they'll provide a list for you of rescues in your area. (laughs) And spoiler Um, alert, you might end up adopting a dog in the process, but that's the risk that comes with working with rescues. (laughs) Yeah. And there's also rescueme.org, which is another one that will list out by state all of the different rescue organizations. Oh, cool. Awesome. That's great. Um, All right. So once you start to look at these different rescues, what's kind of what's the next step? How do you start to figure out how to reach out to them or what what, what do you do next after you kind of yeah. make your first list? So I think if you kind of have a short list of, you know, seven or eight rescues that you might be interested in working with, then it's about, do you know anybody that's connected there? Like, do you have a friend or a client or your vet or whoever that's either adopted a dog or worked with them in the past or volunteered? Uh, because that personal connection is going to be the easiest way to get you in touch with the right people at rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot of your rescues are just run by volunteers. So no one's getting paid. And that means you have another full-time job to pay for your volunteer work. Uh Uh, So they're really busy and overwhelmed with people contacting them. Yeah, I think that's probably the same, whether you're looking at a really small local rescue where it is just volunteers, there's no paid staff, it might be one main person with a couple volunteers or even those bigger city shelters, they're still underfunded. Like the amount of work that they have to do for the number of people they have to do the job often does not match up. So I think the common theme is everyone there is really busy and really overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the biggest key there is just finding some kind of even small connection where you can ask for that introduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just going to move you up the list so much faster. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys would be amazed at how many people, like how easy it is usually to find that connection if you start asking, if you ask your clients, if you ask even your friends, if you ask just like a local Facebook post. I mean, you could even potentially, I would imagine if there was one you really wanted to work with, like if there was a local, you know, we have Dogs of Charlotte kind of Facebook group, can even post in there of, hey, I'm looking to get in touch with someone at the shelter. Does anybody have any, you know, connections or something? You know, there's the Internet has made it a lot easier to uh, hopefully connect with them. Actually, one other way that would probably be a a helpful way to connect too, if there that rescues on social media is, you know, interacting with, excuse me, their social media and then a direct message there to that social media person that maybe to ask who to contact for certain things. That might be a, a good way too. Yeah. And I think if you start kind of interacting with them on social media, then the people that are running the page start to recognize your name. So when you send them a direct message, like, oh, I remember that person. It's almost like when we're marketing for clients, like we just want to be the name that comes up all the time. So when they start thinking pet photography, you're the name that comes up. All right. So some other ways to potentially connect, um, you mentioned maybe local businesses might be a good option. Uh, Yeah. 
a lot of times vets are going to be seeing a lot of rescue dogs and your rescue is going to have a pretty good contact with them. So ask your vet if they work with a rescue. Ask where you get your dog food from if they work with a rescue. Groomers. Those are all just kind of another way to find that personal connection so you can get that introduction. Perfect. Perfect. What about kind of vetting our potential rescues? Is there anything that you should kind of look up to make sure that, yeah, I don't want to say it's a legit rescue, but, you know, to make sure that it's a a nonprofit that you want to definitely partner with? Right. Because you want to associate your name with their name. So you kind of want to make sure everybody is above board. So you can actually check on the IRS's website just just irs.gov and all of your 501c3 rescues have a specific number an EIN number from the IRS you can search by that number or by their name and check their status like are they filing the tax returns like they're required to mm-hmm. um, it doesn't give you a lot more information than that but at least two lets you know like are they still active are they still kind of following all of the rules right right and then other places that you can check too is like the rescues website itself. Like, is it something that looks like it's been updated pretty regularly? Do they talk about any other partnerships or events that they do? And sometimes if you can find out what other businesses they've partnered with, it'll give you a really good idea if your ideal client is the same as that other business's ideal mm. client, then this is probably a great rescue to talk to. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, what else? What about social media? Yeah, so social media really changed the rescue game. So I was kind of getting into rescue right as social media was taking off. And it went from having to tote all of your dogs to different stores to find Mm -hmm, adopted homes. Like we used to see them at PetSmart and things. Right. To being able to connect with people all over. So a lot of your kind of really involved rescues are going to be really involved in social media. So they're going to be posting pretty regularly. You're going to get a feel for the way that they post, the way that they promote their events and partnerships and dogs and see if that feels like a fit for you. And you can also then kind of get a feel too for how often are they posting other partnership things. If you look and you kind of scroll through and you see that they did this one thing with the dog groomer and they posted about it one time and you never heard anything else about it or see anything else posted, that might be kind of a red flag to consider before you move forward, knowing that they're going to be a great partner as far as promoting the event that you're putting on together. Right, right. Okay, so you've scoped out your rescues, you made your shortlist, you started to scope out your, you know, their IRS still nonprofit, they have the the proper designation, they have a website, they're on some social media, maybe they're doing some of the partnerships. Maybe you found one that you're like, man, I really, really kind of want to work with that one. It seems really aligned with me. They're on the IRS. They have a website. Maybe they're not real active on social media, or maybe they don't have a lot of other partnerships they've done, maybe because they're a smaller or newer rescue. Uh, Is there maybe another way that you could kind of scope out? Like, do you ever kind of ask around to just, hey, has anyone worked with this rescue or kind of see if any of your connections have any interactions with them to kind of get the the word on the street of how yeah. of how that particular <laughs> rescue operates. And I think you're you're exactly right kind of talking to your connections because most of us even if we don't have a huge group of friends, you know that we like chat with every day, we have a pretty big network of people we kind of know. Mm-hmm. Some of those people have probably interacted with rescues 
somewhere. So they've adopted or they've fostered or they've volunteered or they've transported or whatever it is. If you can figure out who has been involved with the rescue that you're interested in, asking them is the best way to kind of get a feel for how responsive is this rescue? You know, is this the right vibe that you're looking for? Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. All right. So we have our list. We have our short list. We're ready. We're ready to contact them. It's time. Yeah. This is where (laughs) most people (laughs) kind of get a little paralyzed or they just wait for like some perfect introduction to materialize. But like we need to go after like creating these introductions and getting in touch with them. So how the heck do people start to do this? Yeah. So I think that cold calls and emails are almost never going to work. You know, a lot of times these rescues are just inundated. Personal story, we have one person that has contacted our rescue and she sends us the same copy paste email like six times a week um, (laughs) to work with her. She sells wine and she wants to give us a 20% thing. And it's just so overwhelming because there's nothing on there that it's nothing about how she knows us. She doesn't know anything about the work that we're doing. And now I just delete it because I get the same email all the time. Oh my gosh. Um, Six times a week or even six times a month. It's a little much. (laughs) I'm all for following up, but not the same exact thing every time. (laughs) And like you can tell you're a carbon copy. It's me and Uh like 45 other rescue groups. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yep. So you don't want to be that person. You'll just kind of get buried in the inbox. Yep. And we, yeah, we talked a little about, about using your network. So asking yeah. for that personal connection, but then, okay. So, so maybe what if you don't someone have does. Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Other ways to kind of start getting in touch with them in a way that doesn't feel salesy is to start kind of interacting with them. So we talked a little bit about interacting with their social media, commenting on things that they post sending a DM where it makes sense. Like if they've posted Mm -hmm. something that you found valuable, just to start making it so that your name is one that they recognize. Mm -hmm. So that when you write them pitching, whatever it is that you're getting ready to pitch them as your idea, they're going to click and open it because they know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this goes for, if you guys want to make connections with for-profit businesses, really with anyone or anything, you are making this little bit of connection beforehand. And thankfully, if you're going to be making these connections with rescues, they're likely posting a lot of really cute animals. So it's really easy to have cute comments about really cute animals. It's not like you're like trying to yeah, yeah make a connection with an accountant that's like, oh, that new tax law is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So that is definitely helpful. What else? What else if you don't have a personal connection? Now that the world is kind of opening back up, you can also do things in person. So you can attend an event just as a guest. Like, are they doing Mm -hmm. an adoption event? Are they going to be at a festival in town? Where can you go to start talking to people that are involved in this rescue? Even better, you can offer to volunteer at one of those. And a Mm -hmm. lot of it, it's not hard volunteer work, they might need someone if they're going to be at their festival in town to come and walk the dogs so that they get a chance to get out of their little crate and wander around the festival or go to the bathroom. (laughs) And having people that will do that is super valuable for the rescues. Yep. Yep. 
One of the things that I've done that helped me make a lot of connections with different rescues is donate to their gala if they have a fundraiser, especially Mm -hmm. the bigger ones that have a big gala, donating to their silent auction. And then you, you know, are connected with their development person. Sometimes their development slash marketing person is the same person. Sometimes it's different, depends on the size of the organization, but that's a great way for them to get to know you, for you to also hopefully get a great client into your business and then they make some money. So, you know me, I love charitable marketing. It's like my favorite go-to. Yeah. uh, That's a, a great way to make those connections too along the event space. When kind of speaking about donating, becoming a donor, that's a regular donor, Mm -hmm. even if it's like a $5 a month thing for a couple of months, because that's, again, going to put your name in front of the right people every month. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times, like the big gala donations that we do are great and they kind of get you in the door, but that's a once a year thing. And Mm -hmm. you're donating alongside, you know, 50 to 100 other businesses and people. Yep. Whereas if you're, you know, setting up an automatic $5 PayPal coming out, you're not really having to do anything. But once a month, they're getting a notification that says your name. So it's just that mm-hmm. name recognition again. Yep. Yep. No, that's fantastic. I love that. Uh, and then signing up to receive their newsletters. If they do an email newsletter, mm-hmm. one, it's always exciting when someone signs up for your own newsletter. So <laughs> if they're a small rescue, they're going to be excited when someone signs up. And then you're going to know what's going on so that you can make comments on social media and at the events that you're attending about things that are happening in the organization. It's going to give yeah. you something to talk about. I bet you could also, if they have an event coming up, if you, you know, shared it on social media or, you know, re, 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 re-shared it or, you know, added it to your stories or things like that, they're going to get a notification that you shared it. Or they'll see it if you tag them. Um, and that that newsletter will let you know what's going on. And so then you become a resource for your potential clients. You're sharing the work that they're doing. Everybody's happy. Everybody wins. You have content. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Yes. All right. Awesome. So we've started to make that network. We've started to become a recognized name. What else, what else can we do to um, start to make those connections? So then How you do we find have- the right people, I guess? Yeah. So figuring out one of those key players in the rescue, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of rescues are going to have it on their website, who is on their board of directors, who their staff is. And that's a great way to just kind of get that list of names so that you know mm-hmm. who you're looking for. And it might be on their website. Some of the smaller rescues aren't going to have that on your on their website. So it's going to take some more digging. And that's probably going to be where attending the events and getting on the newsletter is going to help you get in the door there to find those right people. And you can also see, so like I know our county humane society, they have a board of directors that kind of runs everything. And then they have what they call their advisory board, who is in charge mm-hmm. of all of their events and marketing and fundraising. Interesting. And, I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, or it's almost like two two boards, sort of, <laughs> or just a yeah. board and then that panel that does all that stuff. Yeah. So if, see if there's something like that. Or is there a committee that's just about their fundraising and events and things like that? Can you volunteer to help that board? Can you get the list of names of who those people are? Those are always, I mean, those are going to be the people that are going to be making decisions about who they're partnering with. Yeah. 
Yeah. And those are the important people to have a relationship with, or you just become the wine person that is sending the email again and again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then a lot of times in rescues, especially small rescues, you'll find out that there's really just a small core of volunteers that kind of do everything. So even if they have a larger board, there's really like... 12 people on the board, but six people that are at Mm. the events kind of really make the decisions. And the other six people on the board are major donors. Gotcha. So kind of that's kind of your next bit of homework is figuring out who you want to talk to. And then you've got paid staff for some of your shelters or your bigger rescue organizations may have a paid staff. And then you can use that same list of names that you've now gathered and see if you have a connection to any of them. Can I go back Mm. to your friends list and your vets and is there someone that can send a personal email introduction for you? Uh, Right. Yeah. That's probably something too. You can might be able to use LinkedIn. I know I still don't really use it that much, but if, especially on a board of directors, if they're, you know, bigger donors or they have these other businesses or, um, you know, high profile, someone in the community, they very well melt very well might have LinkedIn that you might have connections that way too. So don't forget to check that along with Facebook. Good thought. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Oh yeah. Go ahead. You've got your rescues, you know, who you want to talk to there. And then I think the other biggest piece of this puzzle is how can you give without Mm. asking for something at first? Mm -hmm. Um, Even though like we've seen these, calendar contests do fantastic that Jess um, has put together that's in your group. Yep. If you're just kind of cold emailing someone that you don't know and be like, hey, I'd like to do a calendar for you. They don't really understand what it is that you're offering or how that's going to work for them. I Mm -hmm. think you've got to be that known name. You've got to be someone that they know gives Mm -hmm. or you can ask them to put something together for you. Yep. So some of ways that you can do that that are not photography related, donating money, supplies, old towels when you're getting ready to throw them out, commenting, sharing, interacting on their social media like we talked about, mm-hmm. volunteering. So uh, our local shelter does doggy dates. So you can go and like pick a dog up on a Tuesday afternoon and take mm-hmm. it to eat lunch in town and bring it back. That's amazing. Our shelter does that too. Our big city shelter. It's fantastic. They do staycations uh, too, where you can actually take the dog for like two nights. And I'm like, how brilliant too, because that gives people such a stress-free way to like, oh, maybe I do want to adopt this dog, but you're not like adopting and then have to go back. Oh no, this one doesn't work. You're like, oh, stress-free. Let's see. (gasps) You fit so perfectly. Yes, of course I'm going to keep you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 When like, you know, kind of the benefit of being your own boss in photography means that you can do that. Like, Uh you don't, like, I'm not shooting sessions in the middle of the day. So sometimes I can go, especially when it's nice and cool, pick up a dog and do a 30 minute walk in the park. Yeah. Um, Exercise and a little doggy time. Yeah. (laughs) And it's really, really good for the dogs. Like, it's hard to live in like a little box. Yeah. Even at a shelter where they really love you. So it's a good break for them. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So doggy dates. What else? Yeah. You can also, like, if you don't necessarily want to be inside the shelter, you can volunteer to write thank you notes for them, which you can do at home. But it takes yeah. a big kind of admin task off their plate. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And then just ask, like, is there anything that I can do to help? Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. Yeah. What else? Uh, is there okay. anything uh, photography wise that we can do besides, of course, we all know the, oh yeah, let me come and, uh, you know, photograph some adoptable animals for you. But are there any other, other ways that we can use our photography? To- yes, you're right. Adoptable animals. You can also ask if there are any special cases, like, do you have a dog that's been here a really long time? Mm. Is there a dog that has some kind of medical thing that needs photographed? Uh, You can also volunteer to photograph the events or things that they're doing there, which Mm -hmm. can be a really kind of a twofold benefit for you. One, you're getting to volunteer with the rescue group. And then I've been able to submit those images to our local paper and then get published with a byline. Oh, nice. With my images and my little photography thing. And then they link on their mobile or their web version right um, to my website which, which is, is awesome seo juice that's fantastic yeah yeah i love that and it kind of ties my photography business to this charity mm-hmm. which kind of builds all that feel-good marketing for people absolutely i can't tell you how many times in pittsburgh i had clients that would say like oh we're we'd love all the work that you do with the western pennsylvania humane society because i did you know help them with their photographing their calendar i was always at their gala i did some adoptable pictures for a while but then got a little too busy to be going in and doing that part but i still volunteered and helped them in some of these other ways you talk about but it's one of those things that it may not, like the first time you volunteer does not mean that all of a sudden your phone starts ringing, but it definitely builds this awareness marketing and this feel good, this feel good brand identity <laughs> that, you know, people that love these rescues see that you're working with them and then therefore they love your brand now too. So it's, it's just a great thing and you feel great doing it. So yeah. no one should go out and volunteer just for business, like find something that you're passionate about too, but there's so many ways that it gives back. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. I have one more photography way that I think could be good too. And that is, you know, you could get together if you had an idea for, or just offer your photography services to help photograph if they had a marketing campaign or something coming up for the shelter or the rescue and just really offering to either get them some website images or campaign images or whatever that is. And, you know, you can definitely do that. It's kind of one of those things of like, okay, maybe you want to get more into commercial photography, but you need some commercial things to say, hey, I've done this. This is a great way that you can give back. You know, you can offer to do it as a, as a gift to them. You can offer to do it at a very low price. I would probably go as, hey, let me do this as a gift for you. So that way I'm kind of building my portfolio of it. I'm giving them great images. I've now created this incredible relationship with them that then we can start to do some of these other things in the future. So yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fun too. Awesome. All All right. right. And then you've got like your, your calendar contest Mm -hmm. and then mini sessions or session fee fundraising events that you can do that are all in that photography umbrella. Yep. Yep. And um, spoiler alert, if you guys are Academy members, how to do all of those is in the Academy <laughs> and the silent <laughs> auction donation. So go check it out. <laughs> oh, those little mini sessions. I still use the template from you and I run them four times a year and it is my biggest kind of builder of referral marketing. Oh my God. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. You guys go check it out in the Academy, hairthedogacademy.com. <laughs> all right. So those are some great ways to give back. So here becomes the like 
Uh, the big question that everybody is always asking and their biggest pain point and the thing they want to know. But this last piece about how to get the rescues to promote what we're doing relies so much on these things that we talked about before kind of being in place. Because right. if you skipped all those steps and went straight to here, which I think is where people sometimes run into challenges, or maybe they don't follow some of these best practices we're going to talk about. But you know, if you guys are listening up till now and we get to this part and you're like, great, I'm just going to do that. No, no, no. You need to make sure some of these other steps that we've already talked about are also in place. But, um, exactly. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Courtney, so tell us how the heck do we get our rescues to promote for us for these things that we're doing with them? Yeah. So kind of the first rule is to evaluate past behavior. My wife is a clinical psychologist. She says the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. <laughs> so yep, yep. if you can look and see what they've done in the past and it seems like, you know, yes, they've promoted some things and they seem to have been successful. That's like a big green light. Um, <laughs> yep. And then the other piece of that is to make it really easy for them to do. Mm -hmm. So you can write all of the copy for them. So they're just copying and pasting into their newsletters and social media. You can design all the graphics. And then if you really want to go over the top, you can offer to be an admin on their social media for the time oh. running it. Uh, yeah. And you just schedule everything yourself. And you know, yeah. and you can follow up with the questions and stuff like that, that people might have on the social media, keep an eye on those posts. Yeah. And I found yeah. that's really successful. A lot of them don't have a problem making me an admin for the you know month that we're promoting mm -hmm. this because I provide them still a copy of all the copy we're going to post. They know what it's right, going to Right. Right. So they can approve it. Yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. they don't actually have to do it. Yes. That is brilliant. I never thought about that. That's a, that's a great idea. Oh my gosh. This has been so full of so many good ideas. Do you guys have great ideas out there? Are you ready to go connect with your local rescues? I mean, I think this is such a great avenue to market. And, you know, there's so many people that just pour their heart and soul into these organizations, you know, or even if they are not volunteering large amounts of hours, like they got their dog through there. So they have the special place in their heart and they always still want to help them. And you're offering these great opportunities to be able to photograph the dog they love, help that rescue. And it becomes such a synergistic, great partnership that I think is completely worthwhile, but it does maybe take a little bit of a little bit of trial and error to find the right partners. But this can definitely get people on the right foot, <laughs> make that process a little bit easier. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to let people know or kind of, you know, some general encouragement for people out there that maybe have been either maybe the experience didn't go as they thought, or it was just didn't work out? Like, what advice do you have for them? I think that there are so many different rescue organizations out there. It's almost like there are so many different photographers out there. There's going to mm -hmm. be the right match for everyone. Sometimes it takes a couple of tries. And I think the people that love these rescues, which you kind of mentioned before, like even if they're not heavily involved in the rescue, mm -hmm. they just adopt from there or they've donated a couple of times. They're so passionate about that rescue that they are really mm -hmm. passionate about the businesses that work with those rescues too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So you guys just keep on trying. And yeah, this will be just listen to this episode again. There was so much good information in here. (laughs) It was definitely will help anyone out there start to make these connections with their rescues. Courtney, thank you so much for um, sharing this with us and sharing your experience. Before you go, can you let people know where to find you for your photography business, but also where to find your rescue information so we can all follow your awesome rescue efforts? Yeah. So for photography, I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at CM Bryson. Uh, My website is also cmbryson.com. For the rescue, we are the Rescue Ranch in Rutledge, Georgia, and we're most active on Facebook over there. Okay, nice. The Rescue Ranch. That's really cute. (laughs) Mostly Boston's, and now we also have pigs and donkeys and goats and a horse. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I always joke that I want a house goat. (laughs) (laughs) I love goats. Oh, that's my dream to live on the farm like you. Uh, But here I am in the suburbs. Maybe one day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Courtney, thank you so, so much for being here. Um, Everyone go let Courtney know how helpful she was. And keep us both posted. I'm on Instagram at Nicole Bagley Official. Um, Keep us posted on any connections you're making with your rescues. And, you know, all the progress that you're going to make out of listening to this episode. Because we would love to cheer you on. And um, we'll see you guys all next week. Thanks for everybody. Of course. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks for listening to the Hair of the Dog podcast. This was episode number 162. If you want to check out the show notes for access to any of the resources that we mentioned, simply go to www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash 162. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community.